Condon. Ken Miller. Oh, Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Thanks for tuning in here uh, this morning. Here's what's coming up, uh, BMW of Des Moines guest list-wise. We will start uh, at the bottom of the hour talking with uh, Matt Postens, who covers the Big 12 for Heartland College Sports. Uh, we'll do the um, the Big 12 championship game in football, take a good look at basketball, what we've learned so far in what promises to be a very good conference, maybe top to bottom. Uh, Matt Postens will join us at 11.30. At 12.05, David Eicholt is here uh, from 24-7 Sports, Hawkeye Insider. Uh, get his reaction to uh, Alex Padilla, who within the last uh, half hour uh, has made it official. He is entering the transfer portal. So we'll talk to David Eicholt about that, about uh, where the uh, coaching changes or lack thereof where we sit at this point and what he's hearing. And then Pete Futek, who covers college basketball, college basketball, college football uh, from a national perspective, will join us. Of course, he is collegefootballnews.com. It is a uh, it's a really good site. It's uh, in depth, and you can find a little something on every single game uh, that's being played there. Pete Futek and his team uh, doing a good job, at, and have been for a long time at College Football News. So that's what's coming up on the program. We'll get Trent's plays of the day. Mr. Monday Night, who uh, was here uh, at the end of the show yesterday, had a win. We'll get back with him next week as the Steelers take care of business. And we'll get to that at some point, but we have to, I guess, start with the, uh, the news that Alex Padilla, who uh, played the majority of the game against Nebraska after the starter Spencer Petrus was hurt, is entering the transfer portal one year later than most thought that he would, but nonetheless, he's a part of it. You know, it, it comes as a surprise just because he stuck it out last year. And though we were told, we were lied to, that it was going to be an open competition, I told you at the time that was a farce, <laughs> proved to be correct. And to go through that after what happened a season ago, where Spencer Petrus was bad. Mm-hmm. Came back, saved him in the Nebraska game, though it wasn't quarterback play that won that game. It was special teams and defense right. that won that football game. Have we heard that before at yeah, all? Just, just a time or two. Yeah. But he stuck it out, mm-hmm. and good for him. Yep. Now, I don't know if he is on track to get his degree, if that's going to be a piece of that. He is a good student. I do know that. Some people think doctor. I know it's something with physiology very well could lead to that road. Don't know if he's going to go the medical school route, but a very good student. So if it all if it if it doesn't work out, you'll sell medical supplies. Right, yeah, he's he's gonna be fine. <laughs> yep. he's he's gonna be really good. And people say, you know, he's he's a good guy to talk to, and he's got all those things, and he's personable, and and everything you kind of look for. He's gonna be all right. He's got a bright bright future in front of him. But for him to stick around, go through this, and now realizing that Spencer Petrus is gone. Mm-hmm. There is not a scenario where you can realistically bring him back for another. I agree. You just can't. Right. It's too toxic. You cannot go that route mm-hmm. if you're the Iowa football program. Even though he does have another year of eligibility, he does. You just can't. Right. And to say, you know what, I'm walking away. Does that tell us a that Cade McNamara, the former Michigan quarterback, is already on board, or, or somebody, or somebody, right? And he knows that they're bringing somebody in. I'm, again, not going to have a real shot mm-hmm. of winning this job. I'm going to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Those are the questions that certainly go there. But connecting dots from yesterday, 
I brought up the McManera thing to you, what, a couple, a week ago. Uh, the week, Thanksgiving week yeah. at some point, early in Thanksgiving You were a little week. surprised. I'd never heard it, that's all. Which I was surprised by because you live on Twitter. Yeah. And it's been out there. And yeah. you're on message boards, and that's been out there. And I just, I was surprised that that one kind of hit you from... I had never heard it. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a left hook that you yep. didn't see coming. Yep. And then yesterday, right away, you see McNamara's dad, first two Twitter accounts that he follows after the news. Oh, now this is news to me, too. University of Iowa football uh-huh. and Iowa athletics. Was that in reaction, do you think, to, uh, was it Feldman's tweet to watch Iowa? Or maybe Feldman's getting that from the McNamara camp? That would make a lot of sense, uh-huh. wouldn't it? Iowa didn't recruit him out of high school. And that's what makes this so interesting. Where is he from? He's from Nevada. I think Reno? He's nah, from you Nevada. Know what he is. He's, in, he's a Reno kid, yes. So Iowa didn't recruit him. Mm-hmm. He obviously... He, a lot of these connections are already because of past things. So how has this worked? How has this been together that long? Is it I... McNamara's family reaching out? Because this, again, rumor has been out there for weeks now. Mm-hmm. Connecting dots, putting it together, a place that, very easy, offensive coordinator, hey, DM, dad, is he, is he going to be leaving? You know, those kind of things. But when you don't have a background, when you never recruited the right, guy, right. how this came together we think we know the wild, wild west of recruiting at least a little bit. We have no clue. No, no, we, Trent. We really and and, and no there's clue. another layer of it, as we've discussed many times. And I don't want to go there right now. But mm-hmm. um, the, And I didn't realize this. Uh, Chad Lysico's article that uh, at the Des Moines Register uh, knew he had surgery. Mm-hmm. I guess it didn't pay attention to what that was. Pretty significant surgery. Looks like it. And, and he's not going to be – he will not be able to – wherever he goes – he will not be able to participate in the spring. Mm-hmm. So that kind of puts him a little bit behind the eight ball because if you're bringing in a quarterback, don't you want him to be able to, you know, get those 15 with the, with the new team as opposed to just, you know, hitting the ground running in the month of August? Mm-hmm. Certainly would be more beneficial if he could, uh, with the new system, et cetera. Uh, so we'll see if he ends up being the guy, but that's interesting on the old man following the, the, the uh, the two follows that he, um, uh, that he made on Twitter. We'll, we'll see where it goes, but we know that Alice Padilla is going. Where he goes, does he go back to the state of Colorado? Colorado State. Yeah, Colorado State. Instant starter kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, Northern Colorado. Yeah. Played decent football there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, CU's kind of up in the air. I mean, why did Deion Sanders came out and admitted he's, you know, he admitted he's been offered the job? Okay, who else wants me? Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> you know, absolutely. You know, I've got this yes. offer in my back. I don't really want to go there. Mm-hmm. They're a really bad program. But if you're interested, now's the time. I still think Arizona State would have made a ton of sense. Well, I think that one. Big city, glitz and glamour. They recruit L.A. I think that one would have been a really good one, or at least fun to see the way it plays out. Auburn never made sense. I mean, the way that the boosters interact there, I don't think Dion would have put up for that very no, well. I don't and think so either. There would have been a lot of foot-and-mouth kind of moments on both sides, I, I think, on that one. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense on that one. Does he get a shot? Or we wait until the next cycle? For Dion, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think he's waiting for, does it collapse and... And the Florida State's arrow's pointing up. Absolutely. Norvell, what he did. Yeah, they had a really good year. They did. Went 9-3. to three. Yep. ACC's not good. No, it's not. And that's I why agree. I finally got you away this year from talking about it first. <laughs> well, look, on our... look at Notre Dame. They beat every single ACC team they lined up against. And they've done it four Dame's straight okay. years. Four straight years. Right, exactly. Um, they're okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the ACC's Power 5 conference in name only uh, this year. Yeah. Um, does he have to wait? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to when he gets into it, when when he gets to a Power 5 level. Does an NFL team take a stab? Swing and miss on some candidates and want to do something different? Think of the NBA and the number of guys we see fresh off the hardwood 
going out there and coaching mm-hmm. and doing it at a pretty high level. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. X's and O's wise, that's about your staff. Well, Jeff, Sat- Jeff Saturday had right. zero. Right, well, and it comes down to clock management, which was brutal yeah, last three night. Three timeouts. We'll, we'll get on. to that in a moment. But even if he does think he has time, and he might have had time, right. I, I understand take what the timeout and, make, and yeah. come up with something. I know what he was saying, just what he was saying was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and somebody uh, retweeted a tweet from last year. We're talking about uh, that he had when he was, of course, on ESPN. Oh, yeah. Coming yeah. up today, we're, differently. we're talking about NFL coaching decisions and clock management, why it's the worst ever, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, hmm. Just saying that a year Now ago. he's a member of that fraternity. But uh, with Dion, I just I wonder if an NFL team would be interested. Just something to keep an eye mm-hmm. on. But we've got to wait a while. We've got to wait a while until we get to that point. And it kind of comes full circle back to Iowa. Are we? I want, I'm so excited to talk to Ike Cole because I texted with him a little bit yesterday. I know there are certain things that he can't say. Mm-hmm. There's certain information nuggets that are just rumblings and rumors that you can't come out and right. say on radio or write on his website. But now we can, right? <laughs> we, we, we just throw crap against the wall and see if it sticks. That's what we have. We we have carte blanche to do that. If Brian Ferentz, and this is the working theory from so many people that I've seen, well, he's just going to get a job in the NFL. He can, he can get a position coach job. I, I personally am not sure about that, but mm-hmm. people in their head, they believe that it's going to be a no-brainer. He'll mm-hmm. be able to get that. He's got a lawsuit over his head. Remember what happened when Jacksonville yep. tried to hire Doyle? Yep. Didn't happen. Fair point. And if you believe Brian Ferentz is going to be, oh, it's but, okay. But Doyle, was, he, his name was higher on the marquee than Brian's was. It was, but it's still going to be there. It's still. In that's the right true. city. You're going to have to answer those oh, questions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. And does his resume say, you know what, he's good enough, it doesn't? I don't think no, so. No, I don't think it does either. But there's people that believe it. So let's play with that working theory. When's the earliest that happens? Um, it, it, dep- it depends. Is, is there an NFL team that tries to get out front of every, anybody? They don't do that in the NFL. Very seldom. Yeah. Very seldom. I mean, there, there's a guy that's crying out to be fired in Denver, and he's probably going to make it through the end of the year. Right. And he's not the only one that's going to lose his job on Black Monday or whatever they call it. We know he has a close relationship with Bill O'Brien, who's been trying to get back into uh-huh. the coaching game, and it doesn't feel like there's many people nibbling Although at that. some, I, I read a story uh, it's Sunday or Monday about him going back to the NFL that it mm-hmm. looked as though this was going to be the year. So if it that would be a name to watch. That's the easy one. Right. I think that's even easier than the Patriots, personally, mm-hmm. that, that he goes that route. Play with that working theory. This happens middle of January. So I was just going to sit with their thumb in the no, mouth you for can't. the next month and a half. You can't. You can't. They're signing day. Right. You know, who's going to be my offensive coordinator if right. I'm going to come, if I'm going to sign here? No, you can't do that. You have to get out in front of it. The other part is there's a lot of rumblings. Maybe George Barnett, the offensive line coach, Kelton Copeland, the wide receiver coach. Those guys might be fired, moving on, mm-hmm. whatever way you want to put it. If that's the case, you can't have those two guys leave. And then Brian just twisting in the wind, waiting for the NFL job that he is going to get, waiting there. The theory, I just, it's very difficult for me to buy that Iowa, a can and will just sit here and wait for it to happen over the next six weeks. You can't do you, that. You can't. I, I, I expect something, Trent, here um, very, very shortly. Both here, both in Iowa City and in Ames, quite honestly, because mm-hmm. it sounds as though there's going to be some change in Ames. Myers uh, and Gordon, um, the offensive, the, the line coach and the quarterback coach, it sounds like they're going to be shown the door. Now, I was told this yesterday from two different people. Okay. The Jamie Pollard is putting his thumb on the scale. That Matt Campbell did not want to fire his best friend, Tom Manning, and was going to run it back with the with the OC. Now he's willing to make a couple of changes, mm-hmm. but Pollard apparently is 
I don't know, twisting his arm. I don't know. I, I heard um, I, I stole the thumb on the scale from the first person <laughs> who told me. Uh, the other one said that it's getting involved um, and is not. I don't think he's come right. It's not an ultimatum to Matt Campbell. He wouldn't go that far. Right. He doesn't have that much um, uh, in, the, in, the, in the bank account with, with Campbell at this point. He is his boss. But, I mean, Campbell's done an awful lot of good things for this football program. But he has made his opinion very clear, apparently, that uh, he wants Tom Manning. They want He wants uh, Matt Campbell to make a very difficult decision when it comes to his friend. Sounds like two are gone for sure. Gordon mm-hmm. Myers, line coach and quarterback coach. Two young guys that um, you know, a lot of people think they have a future uh, in the sport, but, man, they're just so young. Yeah. Just so young at this point. So Iowa State loses three guys yesterday? Uh, well, Blake Peterson was a couple of days ago, the offensive right. lineman, and then Dion Silas. Yeah, so Jaden Gray... Uh, was the guy from Texas, uh-huh. and then Dion Silas. And Gray played a little, I think. Not a ton. Not a ton. Right. And he was a pretty good recruit. Was right? he? I remember they beat out a, a couple of name programs for okay. him, and Texas guy, you got to figure. And I think he's got maybe a dad that played at Texas A&M, I think it was, something okay. like that. But uh, Silas is the one that's most impactful. Now it's because it's a guy we know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Dion Silas? I mean, with mm. he was never a full-time no. guy. No. You never saw that out of him, but he but was a piece since since week one. I've been waiting for Norton, right, right, and, and the that, hamstring injury and just disrailed his entire season. Yes, absolutely, and I got going at the end of it. But uh, he's Jirel, the guy going for it, right? Jirel Brock, the buzz was coming into it that he's going to be the guy. Waited his turn, good foot, so, and he was. All he's those fine. things are true. He's fine. He's not a difference maker, right? Not a difference maker by any means. And same thing with Silas. He's fine, yeah, right? He's it's, a piece. He's a piece. So. Um, it's it's the beginning of the season, right? Mm-hmm. The, with the, with the portal opening up on Monday, there'll be more of these announcements between now and then for both Ames uh, and Iowa City. I would I'd be shocked if there wasn't. We'll see where it goes, but it's going to be um, going to be a busy week. Even though none mm-hmm. of the schools are playing, which certainly if we had our druthers, one or if not both would be participating this week. Uh, so let's 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 go fast forward on this with with uh, the Iowa quarterback situation. Yeah. What have you heard about Spencer Petrus as far as injury related? Because there's going to be a bull bid announced mm-hmm. on Sunday afternoon at some point. Do you know what that shows? Did I hear that six hours? Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, on Sunday afternoon. Well, it, it starts at like 10 eleven, or it's eleven or ten. Is yeah. it maybe it's t- in the past it was ten, but okay, yeah, maybe it's ten central, eleven eastern. Because I saw that eleven eastern is when it's or eleven is when it starts. So. Who's going to start a bowl game? I mean, if Petrus can't play, mm-hmm. or even if he is leaving, and the coaching staff knows that he is leaving, there is not a doubt in my mind. What they should do and what they will do are completely different uh-huh. once again. I know where you're going. They should. Play Blavis. This game means nothing. No. Absolutely it's nothing. A re- it's a... It's a it, you you practice fifteen times or whatever mm-hmm. it is um, developmental for the young right. guys, all. and then you write your test, and your test is going to be at the Pinstripe Bowl mm-hmm. or at the Music City Bowl or the Mayo Bowl or wherever they're going. And dump some mayonnaise on Kirk's head. How funny would that? You know, be? I saw at the Athletic today, Trent. Help me out with this yeah. because um, who's ever bowl pro, uh, for forecast is out. Um, has Iowa mm-hmm. in Nashville, which would be a pretty cool destination. Yes, it I would. think the fan base was excited two years ago before they had the bull ripped away from them when Mizzou can answer the bell. But they've matched up against Kentucky. I thought we didn't do that. The rematches? Right. It happens Especially from time to time. in back to back years. Right. I don't think they worry about it anymore. It's just kind of eh, 
whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, bowl games have just lost so much luster. Well, they're about to lose more because right. you know, when, when the 12-team playoff gets mm-hmm. here, we'll get to that in just a second as there seems to be some movement. At least we know what the Rose Bowl needs or, or wants, rather. Um, but back to my – who do you think it will be? Do you think it's Petrus regardless of – Oh, yeah. This is your swan, This if is it, your curtain yes, call. This it, is your – If he's healthy enough to go yeah, – Here's your encore. Go out there and do it one more time. Well, go back to that – was it the Outback Bowl when Iowa just got Blitzkrieg like 31-3, to either to Florida or LSU? And C.J. Bethard is out there hurt. And they just kept throwing him out there. Yeah, just I kept remember going. That. I do remember and that. The broadcast uh, caster Ed Cunningham mm-hmm. was was, was uh, calling him absolutely. out. Absolutely, and he absolutely what is he should still have. doing. Yes, yeah, and he absolutely should have. So we've seen the way this mm-hmm. goes. What would make more sense about the developmental nature of your program is to see, hey, do we have something here? Is Joey Labus? There's all kinds of rumblings about him. Last year's scout team, oh, he was really good, yeah, and then, then this year he hasn't picked up the playbook quick enough. He's maybe not the sharpest knife in this drawer. You know all these things that are out there, but right. and you had two mediocre at best quarterbacks on your roster, and this kid's not even getting a sniff. And you can't give him an opportunity. So with that, I'm left kind of scratching my head, saying what they should do and what they will do are completely different. Because mm-hmm. if it's yeah, he banged up his shoulder, it was in a sling. It's a couple week injury. He'll be good to go. You know. Here a week or two, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be Spencer Peters. Why <laughs> you do that? I have no idea. But Kirk loves bowl games. He yeah. is old school, and bowl games are a big deal to him. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to get. You know, a name that I'm hearing a lot about that may not be happy in names. Are you hearing anything around Arlen Bruce? Are not in names in in Iowa City? Are you hearing no. anything? I've seen a couple of times that uh, keep watch Arlen Bruce's decision real close. Is Arlen Bruce though a guy that? They obviously need depth at wide receiver. Yep. But is he a difference maker? Well, we don't know because he's never had a difference maker to get him the ball, or at least anyone that's adequate to get him the he's ball. He's a fine He dropped guy. a lot of balls. Yeah. He did. He wasn't as bad as Tyrone Tracy was a year ago. Okay. But I look at him in a Silmar realm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, need, they need three guys better than him. If he's your fourth receiver, you're in good shape. Mm-hmm. If he's your top receiver, you're screwed, no. as we yep. saw this year. Yeah. If he's your number two, you're in trouble. Right, right. Your number three, yeah. Your number four, all right, let's go. That's what I see on Arlen Bruce at this point. So, look, if he comes back and Arlen Bruce is your one, and Nico comes back for another season, he uses and his he's got year, that opportunity to do so. That's not enough. No, I mean, they have a lot of work. There's also rumblings. Maybe Cade McNamara would bring a receiver with him. Now that'd be good. I don't care who they are if they played at Michigan, <laughs> right? Bring them on in. See how it goes. Because it can't hurt. Yeah, the McNamara man. If it's just unfortunate that because he just had this surgery this month. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's just new into. Is it? A, it's knee, right? It I is, believe yeah. it's knee surgery. Um, so that's back on the field when? Maybe mm. uh, maybe August. Re. I mean, everybody's got a different rehab. Um, you know, timeline. Maybe August he's back on the field, and and when when's he good to go? He's well, got two years of eligibility. Injury? Was it just a scope? I, mean, he no, be I thought in, it was pretty serious. That's what I thought too, but I never saw exactly what it was. Because I saw, I saw a picture of him in um, in the hospital room mm-hmm. with the wrap or the cast or whatever it is uh, on his knee. Um, you know, promising me back better than ever. Who an athlete doesn't do that yeah. after he gets hurt? Uh, you know. Well, I just have visions of guys with signi- significant knee injuries coming back at Iowa. I mean, basketball, Michael Ingram. That's before mm. your time here. He was a guy, though, that was dragging mm. his leg around. It was Dyer a different time used period. to talk about him. Yes. He, That's why I know the name. He what was been his impactful. story? He was a Michigan guy. Yeah. What, give, me, give me the years. Eh, late, late 80s into the early 90s. Okay. And super athletic. I mean, a guy that could jump out of the gym. And then after that, and he had this knee brace that basically was like his whole knee. 
again, we're talking about that 30 way, years yeah, ago. Right. Right. Different where we are right now medically. Way but back. You know what? The 90s wasn't way back, but it kind of was way back. It was way back. Paul Lusk, another guy that ended up his yeah, career. And yeah. Now we see him coaching, but him went down to Southern Illinois because just physically he couldn't recover. So, of course, me and my text group last night, we were talking about that and going through old Iowa players that, but again, it was so long ago. Today's medical advancements, look at ACL injuries. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to that period, it was not just a no, year injury. It was career-ending. It, it was a two lot years of if you're lucky. Was it Rodell Davis? Remember that guy for I the do. Bears that I tore do. two ACLs yeah. at that crappy stadium mm-hmm. up in Philadelphia on one play, tore mm-hmm. both his ACLs I on that Astro. Bo Jackson would have been able to make it back today. Oh, boy. Have you, are you a book reader? No. You've seen their, that Perlman's got a new book. I have. And it's about Bo. He's a re- you know what? That's on my I, Christmas list. Is it? Mm-hmm. I uh, discovered Jeff Perlman uh, with the Mets story. Oh, he is so awesome. He is such a good writer. Is he? Everything that I've ever picked up. He's really him. opinionated on Twitter. Yes, he is. He's got that too. Oh, boy. But he is so, so good just yeah. talking about whatever the subject mm-hmm. that he tackles. And yeah, that one's definitely on the list. Going to have to make that some Christmas break reading. Yeah, you just wonder if he would have been able. All right, so the Rose Bowl news. It sounds as though the Rose Bowl is, uh, they, they've told the the playoff committee uh, uh, what, what they want, the playoff expansion committee, what they want. When it, when it boils right down to Trent, is they want the exclusive window on January first, or when if it's a Sunday, then they want it on the second on a Monday. Uh, when um, when January first falls on a Sunday, they want to stand alone, whether they're part of the playoff or not. They do not want their two o'clock Pacific, four o'clock Central time, January first, to have any competition whatsoever. Um, and if on the years that they are not part of the semifinal or whatever, because at that point it would be they would be reached the semifinals, because um, they've got a contract through 2026, right. and apparently it's ironclad. You know, if there's going to be any expansion, the Rose Bowl is going to have to uh, is going to have to have their contract broken, and if they're going to be willing to do that, they're going to obviously have to get something uh, in exchange for it. They want to maintain that window, part of the playoff that year or not. They want a standalone. Um, Rose Bowl to have the status that it continues to have. Can you get away with, in the years that they don't have a semifinal, can you get away with them having that window? Mm-hmm. You have the first semifinal. It's going to land on the first that year. The first semifinal start at noon Eastern, yep. 11 o'clock our time. And then 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock, and then the night and game. And then the Sugar the Bowl or whatever yeah. it would be. And then you have the other semifinal be at night. Mm-hmm. I think you can do that. I think you can, too. Now, in that scenario, your Rose Bowl is going to be... Team 3 versus Team 2 in some cases? No, this year it would be Purdue. Yeah. It would be Maryland. It would be because oh. Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all would easily be in the college football playoff, right? I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. There, if you get to 12. Right. When we're talking about and that's what we're talking about in the future, a 12-team. Purdue against Oregon? Mm. Oregon State? Probably Oregon State this yeah. year. I mean, that's what you're looking at here right. in this kind of scenario. But that's what they're up against. That's They'll what the Rose Bowl is going to And you know what? Purdue to. fans would travel out there again. Oh they haven't God, been there in two decades. It's the Rose Bowl. The same thing, Oregon State. For sure. Oregon State, when's the last time they've been in a Rose Bowl? I can't recall. Because they played a couple of Fiesta Bowls when they were good, but that's also 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Isn't it crazy? Early 20s was 20 years ago. I know, yeah, man. Tell me about it. Yeah, we are. Two old guys yelling into a microphone. We got more of it. 
We do. Uh, again, uh, BMW Des Moines guest list. Matt Postens will take a peek at K-State and um, and TCU. Boy, there's a lot of people pissed off that uh, Max Duggan is not involved, invited to some of these quarterbacks. Yeah, they should be. What a garbage decision. But if you've got three on the list, right? And, why invite five? Well, yeah. What's the big deal? And why, why stop at three? Why right. can't you have four? If you're going to invite Duggan, you're going to get all hot and bothered. Who are you going to kick off? I mean, you got to have Williams. you got to have Hooker, I would think. Well, Hooker's hurt. He's been hurt for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He's got hurt in game number 11. Yeah. Put up phenomenal numbers, and Tennessee's nowhere without him. I mean, look, mm-hmm. how, look how they finished. Uh, well, they'd be Vandy. <laughs> That's how they finished. What was it, 56 to zip or whatever. Right. Um, he's had a great year. And I get it. If he wore a Texas uniform or an Oklahoma uniform, uh, is he part of the uh, um, part of the ceremony? And probably so. But you know what? He's going to get he's going to get his reward. And I believe I totally believe this um, because there's too many. There's so many people that not too many. There's so many people that vote for the Heisman that will not leave them off their ballot. I will be shocked. I'm not saying he's going to win. He won't win, but he'll have one of the seats. Don't you think? You know, now a lot of people are also going out there and already putting in their vote. If you're a Heisman voter, why why do you do it now? You don't have to mail them anymore, right. folks. It's click. Well, I mean, and I remember seeing something like sixty percent of the votes are in before the championship games are even played. Mm-hmm. Got another leg to run. I just the whole thing. There's a lot of things that frustrate me. The old man yelling into a mic. And we'll do so next with Matt Poston from Heartland College Sports. David Eicholt on Iowa. Looking forward to that. Uh, he's coming up at 12.05. Pete Futek will go around college football with Pete uh, coming up here at 12.30. Trends play the day. Circus Sports sponsors that. That comes your way at about oh, five minutes or so before one. Miller and Condon underway on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3. And... Now back to Miller and Condon. On 106.3 KXNO, here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO, Trent Condon, Ken Miller. Coming up in hour two, David Eichholt on uh, Iowa. And then uh, Pete Futek from College Football News. Right now, Matt Postens covers the Big 12 football and basketball-wise. I'm looking forward to picking his basketball mind, but want to start with football with him. Matt, Trent, and Ken, as always, we appreciate you uh, your willingness to uh, do this for us. How are you, Matt Postens? Trust you had a good holiday. Yeah, I did. I've been with my mom for the last week and a half up in Michigan. So I get back down to Texas on Friday and just in time for the Big 12 championship game on Saturday. Good stuff. Uh, you've seen a lot of TCU. Let's start there. TCU and K-State. Uh, TCU, the beat goes on. They uh, took it to Iowa State over the uh, over the weekend and uh, finished a perfect season. Uh, just your thoughts on, on TCU. When was it that, you know, as, as, as closely as you watched this program, when did you think, you know what, maybe they are for real? Maybe this uh, 2-0 and start or 3-0, and whatever it was at that point, when did you realize that maybe they've got something here? I, I think it was after they ran that gauntlet early on in conference play where they played uh, four ranked teams in a row and won all four games. So I think the tail end of that was the Oklahoma State game that I covered in person. And then I think the following game, the primetime game against Kansas State after that, once they got through that stretch, I thought to myself, well, you know, this is a team that they, they seem to be clicking offensively. They're really beating opponents down with the running game which is something we're not necessarily used to seeing TCU doing. And their defense has just been building and building throughout this year as one of the best units in the conference. And, I mean, you saw it against Iowa State. I mean, they were just flat-out dominant in that game. It just seems like everything is clicking for them and all cylinders at the right time. But, you know, 
going undefeated in a power conference is hard. Going undefeated in college football is hard. And they've gotten lucky here and there as we've gone through this season. But overall, there's been a consistency on this team that has built up throughout the year that I, I really like into that 2014 team that got left out of the playoffs. That was a very consistent team throughout the year that ended up losing only, its only game to Baylor. Uh, it's that kind of team, and plus they're really healthy. You know, not to jinx them, but they're one of the healthiest Power 5 teams I've seen at this point in the season in a long time. Of course, it'll be a rematch because it's always been a rematch in the new configuration of the Big 12. These two teams got together here a little over a month ago, and it was domination early from Kansas State. The wheels fell off in the second half. It was all TCU. Now, this Kansas State team looks a little different. It is full-time Will Howard now at this point in time. How different is it going to be? And the point spread says that they anticipate a close game. Two and a half is the number here. If you pick a side, is it Kansas State or is it the Horn Frogs? Yeah, I think it's a close game. I mean, when you when you play a team the second time around, you learn a lot about that team, and it works both ways. You know, Kansas State's obviously got a little more motivation because they lost that game the first time around. A win for them is pretty much going to guarantee them a, a spot in the New Year's Six Bowl game. Uh, TCU obviously has a lot on the line. I know some people are talking about the fact that you know, even if they lose, they're probably going to make the playoff. I think they just need to win the game and just end any debate about whether they need to be in the playoff or not by winning on Saturday. I think the key is going to be, honestly, how these two different offenses attack these particular defenses because both of these defenses are really, really good. I mean, we talked a lot about TCU's unit, but Kansas State has an incredibly good defense that can do a lot of really good things in the field. And I think schematically, I think you're going to see both coaches adjust a little bit. You know, Sonny Dykes and his crew, the offensive coordinator, Colin Klein at Kansas State, I think you're going to see their offenses make more adjustments to the defenses because the defenses in this team in this game are so good and they're good at doing what they do well and taking offenses out of what they do well. So I think more of the adjustments are going to come on the offensive side of the football instead of the defensive side of the football. Three of the last four rematches have gone to the team that lost the first game, but I'm still going to take TCU because they just seem to be able to find a way to win these games late in the game. And I think they're going to have to do that again on Saturday. Hmm. Uh, one more uh, football-wise for me, uh, and if Trent's done, we'll, we'll move on to basketball because I'm anxious to talk about that. What impressed me at TCU, um, their secondary is really good. Uh, the the, mm-hmm. uh, the Hodges-Tomlinson kid, is, uh, is uh, that's number one, right? Yeah, he's number one. Yeah. Uh, he's a terrific player. I, I guess I didn't realize they were as stout on the back end as they are up front. Yeah, they they have a really good secondary this year. They they did not have a good secondary last year. They they had a couple kids transfer out. They had a couple kids transfer in. But more than that, they've had some guys who were on the team last year, didn't play a whole lot, and they chose to stuck around. And that defensive coaching group has done a great job of developing them into players that are on the level now of Hodges Tomlinson. So now they have a, a back line there where – you know, it's really hard to find daylight, you know, if you're trying to throw a pass, or it's really hard to get to that level. If you, if you can get through D, uh, D Winters and those linebackers, uh, you're going to run into a guy that can tackle you well. So uh, that unit has grown quite a bit over the course of the year. I would say that's the unit on their defense that has shown the most growth overall from September to now here we are in December. Well, it's not just football, of course, basketball as well in the Big 12 with you, Matt, and we jump into it. Another strong start to the season. Uh, looking at the Ken Palm numbers, a significant gap between the Big 12 and everybody else in really? college Who's basketball. Really? Who's second, Trent? Uh, the Big 10. 
which is a bit of a surprise coming into the year, followed by the SEC Big East. Pac-12 and the ACC down at number six. But uh, we look at the top and the Texas Longhorns. Is this real? Uh, We both, Ken and I, both really like Chris Beard. We thought it was going to happen last year. Obviously, it was a very inconsistent year, number one. Is this a real national championship contender? I think I'll have a better feel for that by the beginning of Big 12 play. They got Crichton this week, which is another big game for them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but that Gonzaga game they played a couple weeks ago, that oh. is the most complete game I've seen Texas play in the six years I've been covering this conference for Heartland College Sports. That was a complete dismantling of a top-10 program on their home floor. And what I saw that night was I saw a team that has chemistry that is miles ahead of what they had last year. I think you know, the fact that they lost Courtney Ramey, you know, Andrew Jones, Jace Febris, Devin Askew transferred away. They had a really crowded guard room last year, and now with Marcus Carr coming back, Tyrese Hunter coming Don't in. Don't say that name. They're, they're really <laughs> the two main guards you're going to lean on for Texas, and I think they play well off of one another. They can both do some of the same things, but they're different enough talent-wise to where they can both you know, really kind of you know, stretch their legs a little bit. But, but I think there were too many mouths to feed in the backcourt last year, and Chris Beard just mm. couldn't quite figure out how to do it. Now with just those two guys and a couple of good backups coming off the bench, there are fewer mouths to feed in the backcourt, and I think that's going to really help them long-term from a chemistry standpoint. Interesting. Yeah, Hunter, certainly uh, uh, that was a blow uh, to, uh, to Otz's program, but they're off to a really good start in their own right. So let's, let's yeah. uh, pick your brain on Iowa State. They knocked off the number 1 team in the country before falling in the championship game of the tournament the other night uh, out in Portland. Uh, Iowa State, uh, they were a, a huge surprise to a lot of people getting to the second weekend of the tournament. Last year, uh, a bunch of new guys on the roster again. This year, your thoughts on what you've seen from the clones so far? Well, I mean, you, you go on, go to a neutral site and you beat a number one team for the third time in your program's career. And up until the UConn loss, Otts hadn't lost a non-conference game since he started the program. Right. It's so odd. Last year, this is what they did. They went to a holiday tournament. They beat two ranked teams. And they leapt into the top 25. And they stayed there pretty much the rest of the season. This year, they go to a holiday tournament. They beat two ranked teams. And they leap into the top 25 on Monday. It's really just... It's interesting because he lost enough players to where I thought to myself, well, that's concerning. You lose Tyrese Hunter. You lose Isaiah Brockington. You lose George Condit. But they bring in a couple of St. Bonaventure transfers. Caleb Grill, his game has obviously finally evolved, I think, to the point where everybody thought he would get to when he started at Iowa State. Um, you know, Jaron Holmes has been a, a tremendous offensive presence for them. Uh, they're just a really good team across the board and they're playing the kind of defense that you see Texas Tech play and that you see Texas play. They're they're using a lot of the no middle concepts now. So they're a really hard team to deal with on the defensive side. And now you count the top ten recruiting class they have coming in next year. You know, Ops is now I think kind of figured out what the formula is. You know, bring in the right transfers, start building the program with younger players, and you can sustain what you started last year. And I, I love what he said after the North Carolina game. I want to I want to stay here for life. I want to build something sustainable. Uh, This is where I want to be. That's exactly what you want to hear from a coach early in his career. And, you know, to me right now, they look like a tournament team. You know, in fact, if you look at Bracketology this morning, and I did for ESPN, nine Big 12 teams in the field, which is just insane. And Oklahoma State was the second team out. (laughs) I know it's really early, but that's just insane. (laughs) Wow, absolutely is. So the bottom of the conference was Kansas State. 
Iowa State, what they've done, they were picked eighth. West Virginia's already got a couple of nice wins. They're ninth. And K-State was last in, I think, consensus, the last place team. They're undefeated. They just won their tournament. They beat LSU. They beat Rhode Island. A couple of good wins down there. Jerome Tang in year number one down mm-hmm. at Kansas State. He's already put together a decent roster there. And yeah. anybody that knows Big 12 basketball knows how important Jerome Tang was to the success of Baylor. Can he do this in year number one, make them, at minimum, an NCAA tournament bubble team? Well, I mean, yeah, I think I think he can. I mean, I think Iowa State gave you the template. Yeah, I think they're playing the template right now. Yep. You know, you you get some early games in non-conference where you're you're looking to build some confidence. You get a couple of wins somewhere where you really weren't expecting to get it, like LSU last week in that tournament. I, I didn't really think they were going to beat LSU, but they did. You go into Big Twelve play with eleven, twelve wins, and then if you can cobble together eight, nine wins, as good as that conference is. You get to 19, 20 wins, and then you've got a shot at being a bubble team. That's basically what Iowa State did last year. I mean, I think people forget that in conference, I think they finished, I think they finished eight and ten in conference last year, but they still won 20 games and they got in the tournament and got into the Sweet 16. So, absolutely, at this point, Jerome Tang can can get this team into position, as some folks like to say, to be in position to get into the <laughs> tournament in March. Uh, and the and, and it's it's the crucial point of what you do in non-conference because. If you're a Big 12 team, you've really got to have 10 or more wins going into conference play because you know you're going to get beat up. You know you're going to lose a few games you might have been able to win. And really getting to 20 wins is kind of that magic number. If you can get to 20 wins in this conference between your non-conference and your conference games, there's an awfully good chance you're going to be playing in either the NCAA tournament or the NIT because, as you mentioned, the Ken Palm rating, that between, between that and the NCAA net ratings, they're going to be so high you're going to be a contender to be in the tournament or on the bubble to be in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last one for you, uh, Texas Tech, who you see at the bottom of the standings uh, at the, at this point in the season, what, six for the most part, everybody's played six or seven uh, games. But their two losses, and their, their, their wins haven't been all that stellar, although they hammered Louisville. But they lost to Ohio State, who's probably, you know, upper, upper tier of the Big Ten, maybe not right at the top, but on the, and, and Creighton, who I think's got a really good chance to, you know, to go a long way, uh, in the dance. So their, their losses, um, are against two good teams. Where are you on Mark Adams' team? I, I like where they're at. I mean, they're, they're they don't have Fardow's, Fardow's AMAC yet. Um, they're hoping to have him back for the beginning of Big 12 play. We'll see. I mean, he would certainly add something to them offensively. He was a guy who averaged a double-double at Utah Valley last year. Daniel Bashko's played very well inside for them, though. He was on the all-tournament team at the Maui Gym Classic last week. Um, you know, they're, but they're, you know, between Kevin O'Banner and Bashko and a couple other guys, this is a very new roster. You know, Devian Harmon's got a lot of experience. Uh, Demarion Williams has a lot of experience. So they're still tra- they're still building the chemistry a little bit. If they had Amac on the floor, I think they'd be undefeated. If we're being honest, I think that's how important he can be to their chances come February and March if he's healthy and able to play, because they can do something that no other Big Twelve team can do. They can play two, six, ten guys on the floor at the same time, and that's going to be really difficult to deal with if they're able to get to that point. But I'm not too worried about this team because a I think the chemistry will eventually get there. And B, this is such a good defensive team that they're going to be in practically every game they play. Mm. Uh, and Iowa State gets them 
twice before February. So mm-hmm. maybe gets a little bit of a break there roster-wise. Good stuff, uh, Matt Postens. I uh, love having you on, Matt. Uh, thank you, as always. Heartland College Sports, we say it every time. If you're a fan of the Big 12, you likely know about this website. If you're not, uh, you're glad that you listen to this because it's a terrific uh, terrific resource for Big 12 fans uh, and, and their team. They're all covered over there. Matt, great stuff. Thank you, as always, Matt Postens. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. He's so good on basketball, Trent. He really is. Yes. Knows it all. He does. He's good on football, but Well, basketball. it gets to baseball season. If we had Iowa State baseball, we could just, do that, too. Isn't that too bad? It is. Uh, that won't change, though, I don't no. think. All right, we'll take our time out. Uh, there is some Iowa news. Did you see during the uh, – while no. we were on, Jack Campbell is the defensive player of the year oh, in the Jack. Big Ten. Got to be nervous there for a second. No, no that's uh, – I mean, come on, right? Yeah. I'm sure there's other guys that were worthy, but mm-hmm. this guy's just—he's just so good. He's excellent. Lysticow said he's the best linebacker in Iowa history. Mm. He's in the conversation. Man. Greenway and Hodge go that, together. That—that that, they—they've had so many good players at that position. Mm-hmm. You know, even this century. Pat Anger, Josie Jewell, dude, dude. We can go. We can play this game for a long. He time. can, right? They've had some, but this kid. Oh my God, he was Six fun foot to watch. Five. Yeah, that surprises me. I told you the first time I saw him. Right? Uh, you did. I remember it. Yeah, on basketball, yep. like this guy, right? Then I saw him the next year at the dome, and oh, <laughs> a completely different athlete on the football field as compared to on the basketball floor. Yeah, he indeed is. All right, uh, we will take our time out. Named after Nagurski and Woodson, two pretty good uh, Big Ten defenders in their own right. Uh, we'll take our time out. We'll come back, finish up the hour. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, one hundred six point. Thank you in. Station 106.3 KXNO, five minutes before noon. Uh, if you're a fan of uh, fantasy sports, fantasy football in particular, uh, and you uh, enjoy the KXNO fantasy program that airs on Tuesday nights, it is podcast only uh, this week. Tyler Allen, the crew, uh, bumped off. Is there, what, what have they got? Cycling women play tonight? Yeah, we have both Iowa State women's basketball. That starts at 6 o'clock. And then right after that comes to a conclusion, it'll be the Iowa Wild as they're out in the West Coast tonight. I gotcha. So the airwaves are tied up. The crew will be podcast only uh, for tonight, but they will be back next week um, at... Uh, at, at 7 o'clock. Iowa plays tonight, Georgia Tech. That's an 8 p.m. tip, mm-hmm. course, down the hall here. News Radio 1040 WHO or television. It's on the deuce. What do you know about Georgia Tech? Not very good. Okay. Uh, Iowa favored by 16 in Are the game. They really? Total, I uh, saw points bet a little bit lower at 147.5, so I jumped on that. It's about 149.5 across the board. Always search for those best prices yep. out there. Uh, let's see. What, what else did I have? I had a couple of notes on Georgia Tech. If I can bring them up here, what we know about them. Uh, they are right now a couple of, of numbers. They don't shoot it well, both mm-hmm. uh, offensively and really across the board. They're 311th right now in three-point shooting. Uh, also two-point shooting, 286 in the country. There's a bad offensive team. They'll get up. They'll grind you. They'll defend. They'll do those kind of things and maybe make it uncomfortable. But, yeah, this should be a coast-easy victory for Iowa. But after what we saw over the weekend, yeah. That Clemson team is not good. No. And they came roaring back. Mm-hmm. What about the idiot Steve Lapis and whoever was doing the game with him, the Clemson game? Were you uh, watching at the end? Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, but I don't remember what... What's... So they were called for a shot clock violation when Robracha hit the shot right at the end of the shot clock with like 30 okay. seconds left in the game. And they were going on and on and on about the clock and how 
oh, these guys got it wrong. They got it wrong because the clock doesn't start when he touches the ball. There was three seconds left on the shot clock. That could be three seconds. It could be 3.2. Mm-hmm. It could be 3.8, 3.9. Mm-hmm. And when you see the clock start, a second later, the shot clock goes down to two because they're synced up together. But not only that. I mean, they had that wrong and they're idiots. Okay, fine. <laughs> but the referee after... <laughs> that got to you. <laughs> well, they're just morons. <laughs> I'm a little punchy here under the weather Apparently today, you as are. you can tell. Yeah. What are you on, by the way, for this, what you're going oh, to do? We're, we're hopped up on all kinds of goofballs. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to get everything in the system and get us cleared out. But on top of it, so the ref comes over, as they do now, to explain to the TV crew yeah. what was happening. And then they turn their monitor and say, no, 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 the clock didn't start. This is after a 10-minute delay. So then they're arguing again with the officials? Right. They're, they're saying, no, you guys got this I, you wrong. You know, I must have checked out at that because I don't remember yeah. this. It, it was a at least a five-minute delay. I think it oh, felt so even glad. longer than that. The bucket was good. The clock was right the whole time. And he got Steve Lapis and his cohort over there just completely wrong about the whole thing. Uh, speaking of uh, college basketball announcers, Dave Armstrong hanging it up after 38 I saw, years. I saw Murph had a post about that with yeah. the spotting boards. Zubin texted me about an hour before it became uh, official, I guess, mm-hmm. and told me this company. He called a ton of Iowa State oh, games. He was uh, Mr. Ton. Big 12. He was, yeah. And you know what? I think of if you were to poll the Big Twelve fan bases, mm-hmm. it's hard to get consensus, sure. right? He hates our team, oh, yeah, yeah. blah blah blah. Um, I think he was universally liked. I won't say loved, but liked mm-hmm. and respected for what he did. That's a long career, man. That's a long career. You hear that voice? Just think about right, Saturday. Don't you? Yep, in the winter. Yep. Flip it on. Here's Kansas State, Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Philip sixty six. Philip sixty six, and his <laughs> voice just became synonymous. Yeah, more than. Any other voice, Big 12-wise, during this time? Uh, I don't think that's unfair. Yeah, yeah I don't. I mean, for Shelley, did a lot of Big 12 games, certainly. But uh, but Dave Armstrong, good for you, 38 years. And mm-hmm. sound like it was his choice, which is... Another rarity. Another rarity and well done. All right, hour number two coming up next. Uh, we'll start with a talk in Hawks with David Eicholt. What's he hearing? Uh, and then uh, Pete Futek, Trends Play of the Day as well. Miller and Condon. An hour to go. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3.